Hey, Bankless Nation, it is the Roll-Up Wars on today's episode. A new player has entered the chat. Scroll just released their new ZK EVM to mainnet, and we've got the co-founder of Scroll and a senior researcher from Scroll joining us today to tell us what that means. David, what are we talking about? Now, Scroll is a pretty hotly anticipated layer two. Uh, it is a ZK EVM layer two. And so with all of the optimistic rollups already deployed and pretty decently along in their maturity, it's time for the ZK EVMs, the ZK rollups to enter the arena. Uh, Scroll is a unique kind of ZK EVM. It's got some extra bells and whistles, some unique properties that make Scroll tick. Uh, so we're going to ask Sandy and Torgal about the unique properties that make Scroll so interesting. And of course, we'll eventually get to win token at the very end. Uh, speaking of unique properties, you know what has uh, unique properties, David? Tell me. This podcast right here. <laughs> and uh, also the jacket that we were looking at. Okay. This is uh, Sukajan. Sujakin. Sujakin. Oh, okay. I don't even know. I don't even have one, David. But you do. I do. I do. I got it right here. Uh, this is available to a bankless listener who, who, who fills out a survey, actually. The, the a, call to action is price. we have a survey and we need people to fill <laughs> yes. it out. You, get the, you might get the jacket if you fill out the survey, but the main thing we're talking about is a survey that we need yeah, you that's to fill true. out. I started with the jacket, but David's starting with the survey. And that's the thing. All you have to do is fill out the survey and you have a chance to win that jacket. David, why are we doing this survey? Uh, because we have a new podcast format that we want to bring to the table, an unreleased podcast uh, type of podcast, but we want mm -hmm. to make sure that we are actually on target with this. So we're gathering some data about who you are, Bankless listener, what kinds of podcasts you listen to, what kinds of Bankless podcasts you listen to, or maybe you listen to all of them. Wow. Uh, and just kind of a background about yourself. And so if you want the Bankless podcast to tune itself to a little bit more towards your desires, or maybe you just want the jacket, uh, fill out the podcast survey. Yeah, it's not about the jacket. It's about improving the podcast, everybody. Yeah, yeah, do, your, yeah. do your public duty. Thank you, Bankless listeners, who fill this out. There's a link in the show notes if you want to go uh, check that out. It should take like five minutes of your time. No more uh, than that, I'm sure. David, why are we talking about Scroll today? Tee up this episode for us a little bit more. So the mm -hmm. ZK uh, EVM rolls are, are kind of like uh, wars are, are kind of off. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, rollups in general mm -hmm. have been climbing up the leaderboard on L2 beat. So a lot of them are, are trying to gain market share. What is special about scroll and uh, why are we bringing them on the episode today? Yeah, so I'm, I think I'm really excited to ask Sandy and Torgal about this. Um, I think there's like a spectrum of difficulty of rollups. Uh, optimistic rollups are like pretty easy as in just like, you know, fork and replace the EVM, but now as a layer two, then we kind of get into the ZK rollups, which it with like Polygon and ZK sync, which are like rollups, but ZK, but with scroll, we're on entering like a new frontier, which is EVM equivalent ZK rollups, which is a hmm. pretty hard thing to achieve. Yet you get a huge amount of tailwinds if you do get that. And so that's going to be, I think the main focus of some of my questions is what do you get with a ZK EVM? Why do we care about scroll? What about scroll has set itself? apart from its competition uh so that was that's the, th the thing to pay attention to pay attention to as we go into this episode so guys before we get into this episode first we disclose david and i are both angel investors in scroll we are big fans of many different layer twos out there and uh, as a reminder we are long-term investors we're not journalists we don't do paid content there's always a link to all of our disclosures in the show notes bankless.com disclosures all right guys we will be right back with sandy and torgal but before we do we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible including our number one recommended crypto exchange that's kraken if you don't have an account what are you waiting for? Go create an account.
Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. Celo is the mobile-first, EVM-compatible, carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. And now, something big is happening. Introducing the Celo Layer 2. It's a game-changing proposal that's going to bring Celo's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared his excitement for the Celo Layer 2 on the Celo Forum. So has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability, and one block finality. What does all that mean? Rock-solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo.org on Twitter and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. Bankless Nation, I'm so excited to introduce you to Sandy Pang, one of the co-founders of Scroll, the ZK scaling solution that we're talking about today, and also Torgal Marimov, a senior researcher and roll-up sorcerer, also at Scroll. Sandy, Torgal, welcome to the Bankless. How are you guys doing? Hello, hello. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Okay, so the news today is that Mainnet, Scroll Mainnet, is live. That's pretty cool. Congratulations. How does it feel? Sandy, how does it feel to have finally have Mainnet live? Yeah, I feel feels amazing, almost surreal. This has been kind of two years in the making and um, the team has really pulled together for this very big milestone. And I think for, 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 for any kind of product team, like the big product launch is really just the beginning. This is the mm -hmm. first time we get to really meet our customers and meet the devs and get real feedback. So everything feels much more tangible. And, you know, just like anything we do, it's just great when you receive um, feedback and 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 hopefully that will help us iterate more going forward. Mm -hmm. And Torgal, you've been at Scroll for as long as I've known you, uh, but you also pay attention to the entire roll-up landscape and really just crypto at large. Maybe you could um, just do the job of articulating why this is significant uh, in the in the broad landscape of all layer twos, all types of roll-ups. Uh, why is this mainnet day unique? I think I'm going to come off a, a bit biased here. I think you're allowed to, you're allowed to do that. Yeah, that's permitted. Yeah. I'm happy to do that. So, uh, so one of the things that we concentrated on since the beginning is maximizing compatibility with Ethereum. And at the time when this was just getting started almost three years ago, this was almost an insane idea. I remember talking to a few people in like 2021 about potentially building a ZK VM that is EVM equivalent or compatible and they were like yeah those people are just scammers it's never gonna <laughs> work <laughs> and, and yeah it, it it basically started as a, a wild idea that transformed into something that is finally alive on the mainnet today and it's been a long road a tiring road i think we all need a sleep a long low sleep tonight <laughs> after, after the launch but yeah but but we're happy that we're finally uh on the, on the arena 
playing, <laughs> learning. In the arena. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the arena. Let's that phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I remember like yesterday when we first met Toggle, I think the team oh. was just eight to 10 people and we got introduced on the internet. And um, and I think most people thought we were kind of a joke because it was just so far-fetched, but Toggle decided mm-hmm. to join us after a 30 minutes call. He was just like, YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> we basically... He's been YOLOing ever since yeah, we basically, on Twitter. <laughs> we basically signed the papers the next day after I had a call. What was, wow. what was so compelling about that, Toggle? Yeah. Uh, I I think for me was the idea that the scroll aimed to be as much compatible with Ethereum as possible, and I always thought of rollups as a great extension of Ethereum, and that just made a lot of sense to me. And I always thought of zk as a more long term play versus something like optimistic rollups, which were more of a viable short-term solution, but long-term, I feel like all, all of the optimistic rollups are going to transform into ZK rollups. So it just made it click from like the first time I had a call with Sandy and yeah. Torgo, why, why is uh, EVM equivalence so important? Like you, you mentioned, it's this idea of an extension of Ethereum, right? I, I know some rollups have gone in a completely different direction. They're like, hey, you know, EVM sucks. We're gonna swap we'll it we'll just settle else. on Ethereum and call it good. Yeah, but but uh, scroll is with the strategy. You guys are doubling, tripling down on Ethereum equivalents. Why? So I feel like for me the argument was always, what's the purpose of rebuilding everything from scratch and re-educating people and helping them learn a new language and new programming paradigm, etc., where you can use something that has almost. 10 years of documentation, 10 years of tutorial, 10 years of open source code. And doesn't matter what you want to build. Most of the things already have been, obviously not everything, but like a lot of the building blocks have already been built out by somebody else and it's easy to learn. So Solidity, you can't even compare Solidity to any other smart contract programming language because it had such a head start and therefore, it just makes sense to reuse something that has been widely adopted versus not only trying to optimize it, but also trying to attract people to actually learn and build with you that new VM and the new programming language, which is a very hard job. And only a few have succeeded since Ethereum in doing that. Mm-hmm. One of the compelling things about rollups, and you alluded to this, is that it's an extension of Ethereum, and really the maximum, uh, the maximally uh, mature version of a rollup is one that has zero compromises with Ethereum. Can you just talk about the value of this and how Scroll is playing in that arena? Sure. I think some of our initial thesis was that, um, which we still hold today, is that I think Ethereum is the most decentralized and the most secure layer one. And it has this incredibly strong strong kind of social layer built around it. And that means many, many uh, very convicted people and um, idealistic and also creative people, just very strong talents from around the world who are committed to this ecosystem um, for various reasons. And um, for us, that was the most attractive thing about the community. And we wanted to build something that meets developer where they are already. Um, We thought it was somewhat unrealistic to kind of force developers to learn something new. And we wanted them to kind of leverage 
whatever they've built over the last couple of years, um, because when protocols are battle tested, when they're used by many, many users, and when brands are established within this arena, these are all things that are valuable and we want to preserve as much as possible. And I think with these major building blocks, that is also the best jump start for the next iteration or the next innovation to happen. Um, it didn't really make sense to kind of reinvent the whole ecosystem every time there's a new L1. It's mm. much better to kind of encourage people to be creative to, and to, to, to build the next generation of things um, through through fun and play. And part of Scroll's role is making that whole setup much more accessible. And accessible means a number of things. It means being cheaper, it means being faster, it means faster finality, and it also means maintaining the highest possible security standards. And um, so in, 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 in that effect, I think Scroll is somewhat a little bit later to the mainnet launch compared to the, to the other ZK EVMs, but we've been in testnet for 15 months. And that means a huge number, I think something like 90 million transactions accumulated and something like, I think definitely more than 20 million unique wallet addresses on our test nets. And all of these adds up to a more, um, you know, a very battle tested, uh, you know, battle tested and um, and we've conducted full audit with um, four esteemed audit firms. And internally, we've always had a, red team and blue team set up in order to check the, you know, cross check our work. Um, just the amount of precision that goes into building the ZK EVM is absolutely phenomenal. I think one day we'd love to have Haichen and, and, and Peter from the engineering team to come and, and talk about exactly how much like detailed and granular work it takes to mm -hmm. kind of write ZK wrappers around every single kind of EVM opcode. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned the uh, ambitiousness of what it takes to make a ZK EVM that's EVM equivalent to Ethereum. Uh, I mean, there's already been a handful of ZK EVMs that have shipped mainly out of ZK Sync and, and Polygon, but these aren't the aren't aren't exactly what Scroll is building. Scroll is going, I think, kind of doing the hard thing of doing the EVM equivalents with the actual like uh, bytecode uh, equivalence, which is, I think, where it collapses down to if my technical chops are serving me well here. Um, and it, you, like you alluded to it, that's that's harder. And that's why, you know, scrolls the, the latest of the three, the last of the three. But to articulate the bull case for like EVM equivalence is that, well, while the Ethereum ecosystem has developed, while scroll has spent the hard work of becoming EV, an EVM equivalent CK EVM, Scroll gets to ride in the tailwinds of all the innovation and development that is going on in parallel. Can you talk about the um, like the big important things that Scroll is able to repurpose that your typical ZK EVM wouldn't be able to repurpose in its ecosystem? So one of the goals that we had since the beginning was to reuse as much code that has already been built for Ethereum and battle tested as possible. Obviously, there are still a few changes that we introduce here and there to optimize things. But the goal was to, instead of building new clients, building new tooling, building everything from scratch, and then having to audit everything, having to run bug bounties for everything, we just reuse stuff that was already built for Ethereum, modify certain things, optimize certain things. But we have this surface area that is much smaller in terms of new code being introduced on the client side, for example. So in our case, we currently reuse Geth, a slightly modified version of Geth, but we can also adopt Aragon or Nethermind or any other execution client easily because we're compatible with the execution trace of Ethereum. 
So uh, that allows us to not worry about that side of things and only worry about the bridge, the prover and the sequencers and, and the efficiency of the rollup and real trust and rely on the existing battle tested code to basically carry on what Ethereum has been doing great in terms of being stable, being secure and being immune or almost immune to faults and halts, if that makes so, sense. It does. Is it the case that um, all of the things, all of the apps that work on Ethereum now kind of work right out of the box on scroll? Or is there any kind of modification a dev or a building team needs to do in order to, to make it uh, compatible with scroll? 99.99999% of the apps will work out of the box. So the only thing that we currently don't support is self-destruct opcode. And the reason why we don't support it is because Ethereum is planning to deprecate it soon. Okay. And there's no point for us to support something that is going to be deprecated, let's say in half a year or a year. So I think okay. everything works in effect. Yeah. And um, our, our, our main net slogan is called copy, paste, and deploy. To <laughs> so you guys are encouraging copy, paste, huh? <laughs> That's not what we mean. What we mean is that whatever you've already built, that deployment process is super easy and seamless. And yeah. Having that set up, it means there's actually less point in building copy and paste projects because it's so easy uh, for projects that are already established to come on scroll. Yeah, that, that seems like a, a superpower. So in all of the ancillary um, infrastructure as well works. So we're talking about like wallets, you know, like a you know, MetaMask yeah. or a blo block explorers like an Etherscan. It all just kind of, you know, clicks in and works without modification. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's... um. That's really cool. So t tell us about this rollup itself. So, you know, why are we doing rollups in general, right? We're trying to scale Ethereum. Okay. So what, what does that mean for something like scroll? Like how many, I mean, how, how do you, how many Ethereums is, is it inside of uh, scroll? Like how, how many Ethereum uh, mainnets are we talking or like, what's the transactions per second that that scroll can kind of support? I realize these are sort of imprecise types of ways of measuring it, but maybe then the question is, how do you measure it? Uh, how much scale are we actually getting out of scroll? Um, so I think it's difficult to say the precise number in terms of TPS, but you could easily estimate that if we remove the bottlenecks related to Ethereum, so like data availability, et cetera, et cetera, we can easily do an order of magnitude and probably even more than that without having any issues. There are obviously other things that we need to optimize that we still inherit from Ethereum. So one of the problems that we inherit, as every other ZK rollup does, is state growth. And so essentially, at some point, we're still going to have to solve it. But because we don't need to optimize for like Raspberry Pis, that's not such a big issue for us as it is for Ethereum. And therefore, we can squeeze out a lot more performance and because it's done off chain and it's the computation is only essentially done by one prover, it's the the cost per user is significantly cheaper because it doesn't translate. You don't have to ensure that it's replicated amongst thousands or even tens of thousands of full nodes. Okay, so order of magnitude more in terms of uh, scalability then, and then remind us and why. And that's the starting point. That's the starting gonna, point. Yeah, it's going to get better. Okay. 
what what's it going to be getting better with like the next eip that um you know uh, allows for blob, blob space on ethereum is that is that going to help um scroll at all regardless regardless of the ethereum level upgrades um there are plenty of optimizations yeah. that mm. we could be doing and there are a few low-hanging fruits that we will be getting to in the next three to six months and um, I think we we can expect Scroll to be in order to organize manage to faster than Ethereum mainnet in its current form within like the next year. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I I know you mentioned at the very beginning. Uh, you guys mentioned. I think Torgal, you were talking about this. Where um, back in I don't know 2020 2021, it seemed like um, a Ethereum equivalent zk EVM would be years away. In fact, I remember like a a blog post from Vitalik where. Um, he talked about how far away it was. Like this would be nice, you know, one day, but it's probably many years away. And he was talking like five to ten years kind of uh, timeline. And it, the the ability to actually develop a zk EVM, it felt almost like a sci-fi tech. Uh, and it was, I mean, I remember coming away from that post and and other conversations about this this weird zk EVM type thing, thinking that uh, that'll be nice one day, and 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 describing it almost as like the holy grail of Ethereum scalability. And now here we are, like we like we've made it. Can can you refresh us on the um, why zk is uh, the direction? Like why why is it referred to as the the holy grail? What what benefits do we get from zk rollups versus say you know our uh, optimistic rollup cousins there? So there are multiple things that that benefit from zk. So one. Just to establish the basics here, a lot of people, when they hear ZK, they they just automatically think privacy. But in reality, the reason why we use ZK is not for privacy. The reason why we use ZK is that the modern proof systems have this property that we call uh, we refer to as succinctness, which means that you can verify them much cheaper than what it took to compute them. So essentially, you can think of like a very costly execution and instead of re-executing that entire execution, you can just verify one proof, and it is it essentially it is essentially equivalent to just recomputing that costly execution. And you can see how you, you can gain a lot by just outsourcing that execution to one or two full nodes that do the execution, then they compute the proof for it, propagate the proof to everybody else, and everybody else can just verify the proof and they're done. They don't need to re-execute anything. They don't, don't need to verify anything, etc. aside from that proof. And on top of that, you gain from the fact that uh, ZK allows you to have faster finality relative to optimistic rollups, because the way optimistic rollups work is they assume that you're innocent and that you're proven guilty. And there's uh, the bridge allows a certain period of time for anyone to challenge and to prove that you're guilty. So essentially the state that you posted is incorrect. And usually that challenge window is measured in days. Whereas for ZK rollups, the finality time is measured in minutes because as soon as we compute the proof, we can just publish the proof, verify it, and that's it, we're done. We don't need to wait for anything. And therefore you can see how that how ZK, uh, using ZK, we uh, benefit from both outsource uh, by having the computation outsourced to a few large nodes. And also on top of that, we benefit from the fact that you can just do it quickly and you don't have to wait to tr transact and send messages in between layers. 
So how do users benefit from this? So if I'm a user on scroll versus a user on an optimistic rollup, like, will I feel any difference? Will I, will I see any benefit or are these kind of like under the covers, you know, uh, hidden benefits? I think for now, there's not going to be a lot of differences unless you try to exit to an L1. If you try to exit from an L2 to an L1, then you'll feel the difference because with a ZK, you're going to have to wait for a maximum of like 30 minutes. Whereas with an optimistic rollup, roll you'll have to wait for a week. And But the thing is, the more the the throughput the rollup can handle and the more we scale, the more those benefits translate into something tangible for users. So it might not be very noticeable now unless you would draw back to an L1, but it'll be noticeable when we are processing thousands of transactions per second. Mm -hmm. And that finality time between the layer two to layer one, uh, well, optimistic rollups, when I transfer out of an optimistic rollup, it doesn't take me seven days. It takes the market makers seven days to really do that work for users. But you're talking about users as like, well, the market makers are users too. It'll take them seven days out of an optimistic rollup and only 30 minutes out of a ZK rollup like scroll. The way that that translates into the end user is that, well, fees just are much cheaper. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, it's kind of, it's going to be the same speed out of an optimistic Because rollup. you're not paying a market maker any kind yeah, of like, it, you know, tax exactly. to cross the bridge. A much, a much lower tax. Like market yeah. making is going to be much more competitive between a ZK rollup and a layer one versus an optimistic rollup. That's my intuition. Is that right? Uh, to some degree, yes. And But what you're talking about specifically is value withdrawals and when yes. you would, we're drawing tokens, but also assume that like there's going to be a lot of cross-chain messaging, like let's say message from an L2 to an L1 app, then you can't really go through a liquidity bridge. You are dependent on the bridge. So for example, an example that I always bring up that uh, Tally is potentially researching is doing the voting for a DAO on an L2 and then just sending the result back as a message to an L1 saying, oh yeah, this was the vote and this was the result that was accepted and here are the changes that you have to make to the contract or whatever. So in an optimistic rollup, you'll, you're stuck. You'll have to wait for a week. Whereas with a ZK rollup, you just wait for whatever, like 10, 20, 30 minutes and you're done. Mm -hmm. I think the way that I would just express this is that all rollups are asynchronous with each other by, de by default, but... Yeah. Some rollups can sync quicker to global state than others, uh, and that is going to be because of that 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 messaging bridge. I, I want to ask about uh, just mainnet launched uh, and what's on the chain. Like, what's there to do? Uh, is this kind of like a mainnet for developers, and now developers need to come in and you know build the build the attractions, build the apps. Uh, users can therefore also bridge on, but is there anything for users to do in this present moment? W what does the next like rollout phase look like over the, the coming days and weeks? Um, so we've had our Genesis block a week ago and um, we've kind of opened up the space for infrastructure projects to come on. So the, the, the opening of the public bridge UI means users can bridge funds to scroll and developers can start deploying their dApps. So um, I'm not entirely sure what's been deployed so far. It's only been a few hours, but I've been told there's already a Sandy token, um, which I promise. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is that why you came I, here, Sandy, to shill your Sandy token? <laughs> <laughs> no. The latest meme. Oh my God. Yeah. 
that's not <laughs> that's not why we're here that's not why we're here <laughs> okay yeah, more exciting things afoot uh, okay what yeah so so the 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 apps will be coming then over the weeks and months to come is is yeah. really what you think i expect a lot of apps will be um deploying relatively close to the mainnet launch and why should they come like what's a pitch for an app so let's say i've got a kind of a cool you know DeFi app on mainnet it's working well i, I you know gas fees are high I got a lot of different rollups I could uh, deploy to. Why should I deploy and scroll? Um, I think some dApps have a multi-rollup strategy. And so for those types of dApps, the, the main sell is for us to, is about removing friction for them. And that's why we have this copy-paste deploy campaign, because it's so easy for them to self-deploy on scroll. It's kind of like a why not. It removes that why not scenario. And then there's another um, there's another pitch for um, for applications that are that 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 only work on scroll. So there's a number of zk applications that are tool that are trying out really unique things that works uniquely with the scroll um, zk EVM for various reasons. And then there's another type of things that are just you know because of the nature of scroll being a little bit cheaper and uh, you know hopefully a lot cheaper very soon and um, and also a lot faster. Um, it opens up the design space for something that is a little bit further away from the core financial applications and a little bit more in the arena of fun and maybe frivolous and maybe just kind of like hopefully useful type of stuff. This is kind of like, you know, I think a, a slightly old analogy that I, I really like is that whenever the um, internet or broadband um, increases throughput by an order of magnitude, it opens up a whole arena. And, and you know, with each order of magnitude of increase in internet speed, that's when Facebook happened and that's when Instagram happened and that's when TikTok happened and so on and so forth. So we're at this moment where a new generation of applications are are already the infrastructure support there is ready, but what's going to be um, appearing is, you know, who knows? And as to why they would build on scroll, we're hoping the um, well, we're hoping to build an environment that is helpful for developers, where we're trying to be accessible and we're trying to build a vibe that is like cool and conducive to doing creative stuff. Um, mm. How we do that, that's kind of up to toggle. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't no pressure. No pressure. I'll be honest. Tortle is a tastemaker, so mm -hmm. you know. I'm Thanks sure for throwing me under the bus here. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy the timing of all of these uh, zk EVMs coming online to be right before EIP four eight four four. I know we got a number of months before that comes, but not just one order of magnitude with the ZK element, but a second order of magnitude with a four eight four four element. Because there's a few more questions that I want to get to. Uh, of course, just there's uh, in the other rollup landscape, there's the conversation of the the chain development kit. I want to ask what uh, scroll is strategy around here, but also just future future roadmap. What is next? I mean, we talked about all of the extra juice that's uh, left to squeeze out of innovations, but I just want to talk about the the scroll may uh, the scroll roadmap, uh, and if there's a token on that roadmap, I'm going to ask you all these questions but first a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible metamask portfolio is your one-stop shop to navigate the world of DeFi, and now bridging seamlessly across networks doesn't have to be so daunting anymore with competitive rates and convenient routes metamask portfolio's bridge feature lets you easily move your tokens from chain to chain using popular layer one and layer two networks and all you have to do is select the network you want to bridge from and where you want your tokens to go from there 
MetaMask vets and curates the different bridging platforms to find the most decentralized, accessible, and reliable bridges for you. To tap into the hottest opportunities in crypto, you need to be able to plug into a variety of networks, and nobody makes that easier than MetaMask Portfolio. Instead of searching endlessly through the world of bridge options, click the bridge button on your MetaMask extension or head over to metamask.io slash portfolio to get started. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own layer three, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. We are back talking to Sandy and Torgal, and we're talking about uh, Scroll. Just went mainnet uh, this week, so very, very Thanks exciting time to go mainnet. Um, ZK EVM, here we are. So I, I have a question for you. As I was during the break, I was scanning through um, you know, our friends over at Layer Two Beat, and um, look at all of these different Layer Twos. Uh, wow. First of all, bullish, <laughs> like oh my god, bullish. <laughs> uh, now we have dozens of Layer Twos. I, I feel like soon we'll have hundreds of layer twos. I think from a bankless listener's perspective, they might be asking the question, okay, like how do all of these things stitch together? How do we prevent fragmentation of the Ethereum ecosystem and Ethereum liquidity? How do we like abstract this uh, for users, right? I mean, does a user necessarily care what layer two they're on? Do they need to know the difference between scroll and ZK sync and Arbitrum and Optimism and all of these things? Isn't this for like the crypto nerds? So uh, I wanted to ask this question of you, now that we have all of these layer twos, how do we stitch them together? Is there is there a way to do that? Uh, are the devs working on something here? Um, so it's, it's, it's a bit of a two-faced problem. So there's a... The, uh, so there's like a theoretical problem of how you actually handle communication. And the second problem is how do you improve UX where an average user doesn't really know or care which L2 they're on. And realistically, at least from our opinion, we're building for the developers. And so for us, as long as the developers know where they're deploying, that's the main goal for us. The users are free to think that they're using Ethereum or scroll, but 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 as long as the developers know, uh, that's our goal. And so and so from the UX perspective, you can always optimize things. You can, for example, uh, define new address types that basically also define which 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 chain you're sending it to, or aside from the address itself, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And on the technical side, the short answer will be ZK. A bit of a longer answer would be how do we do that with ZK? So uh, one, there's a lot of prover efficiency improvements that are expected to happen in the next year or two. So I feel like within the next two years, we won't be talking about proofs that are taking minutes to compute, but more like proofs that are taking tens of seconds or even seconds to compute. And now we're getting to 
almost real-time composability where you can basically compose within a block. And on top of that, there are a few people that are building different tools using ZK that will allow you to compose directly without going, going through an L1. So for example, one of the ideas using storage proofs, which means that you can use ZK to prove that a certain state has been stored in a certain way and directly bridge to another L2 without waiting for the message to be passed through an L1. And so there, there's a lot of stuff that is being researched on at the moment and is being in a development phase. So I feel like for the next year or maybe two, people are still gonna struggle with like, oh yeah, do I have ETH on this L2? Oh, how do I get ETH in order to buy this token or whatever? But like, it's not gonna be a long-term problem. The it's solution. not going to be a long-term problem that like that's what i wanted to hear so it's like is it is it um if if i'm on scroll how do i get my assets on some other like zk layer two is there going to be a way to uh have that bridge be very kind of seamless uh or am i going to have to like exit back to mainnet and then and then like go back to another layer two like and is it the same if scroll is uh, connecting to another ZK EVM versus like an optimistic rollup, like how's this going to work? I, I I don't think I've like we we've got all of these different you know states of Ethereum, but we don't have like our interstate highway yet. I feel like, yeah. and so we've got still got a lot of fragmentation. Yeah, there's still no standardization of how the bridges work, etc. I feel like. It's going to happen at some point. The conversations are already start, starting about standardizing certain things. Not bridges for now, because I think it will be quite difficult to standardize such a complex construction, but more simple things. So, for example, uh, there are a few L2 teams that are discussing the possibility of introducing a new L2-specific transaction type that will allow us to basically easily deal with the fact that we both have to pay, the user both, has to pay for the L2 cost and the L1 cost, which Ethereum doesn't really care about. So the current solutions are very hacky, but they're not very UX friendly. And so I feel like those conversations are going to continue. And at some point we're going to get to EVM standardization, bridge standardization, et cetera. And with ZK, it's just a question of how fast you can compute the, the proof. If you can compute the proof within seconds, and even if you go through an L1, it shouldn't take you that long to a bridge from one L L two to another, and on top of that, you can you can think of things like storage proofs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are still probably things that we haven't come up with that are going to come up in the next year or two that are going to be even better than what we think is a state of the art right now. I think inside of the roll up industry in twenty twenty three, it's been really a story of chain development kits. Uh, the OP stack, of course, absolute gargantuan with the the base uh, base chain and all the other OP stack forks that have happened. Uh, but they're not alone, of course. The zk stack from zk sync, Arbitrum orbits, Polygon supernets, scroll. What is this? Is is scroll entering this arena? Well, I think we've just been so heads down building mainnet. I think we need to take a minute to help the network stabilize and do a little bit more research about what developers and ecosystem projects actually want. Um, I think there's no point in doing something unless there's real demand. And mm -hmm. um, we're going to focus our efforts on doing research to validate some of the directions that we're going to go to after mainnet. Okay. So not, not coming anytime soon, potentially in the future, just not your focus at the present moment. 
um, we're a completely open source project. So mm -hmm. if there's anyone that wants to do it, you know, we're completely, you know, yeah, we're happy workable. to help. We're happy mm -hmm. to help. Um, it shouldn't be a big lift anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, insofar of this demand for a more standardized products in terms of like a, a stack X package, um, mm -hmm. I don't think it's a very difficult thing to do from here. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I know mainnet is a very big deal and I don't want to stress you guys out, but what do you guys focus on now? What's next? Uh, what are the kind of the next steps for scroll? What do you guys focus on in, in the weeks and the months? Well, <laughs> yeah, you, you just said the weeks and I'm thinking to myself, we were just spending some time today talking about what scroll is going to look like in five years. <laughs> <laughs> you can answer either one. <laughs> yeah, we, we we have quite a long roadmap. A lot of it is still up in the air and a lot of it is still a, an open research problem that we're trying to solve. But there are a few things that we're going to focus on. One is optimization. So there are still a lot of low-hanging fruits in terms of the implementation, et cetera, et cetera, that we can optimize to squeeze out more performance to make the transaction cost less for users, et cetera, et cetera, out of our implementation. Another big, big focus for us is security because as we all know, most of the rollups I have to, by law, I'm required to say that Fuel version one does not have a multi-sig, but aside from that, all the other rollups have a multi-sig and they're upgradable in one way or another. And oh, can, can I ask you about that, Torgo, really yeah, quick? Like, this is something I think bankless listeners will be familiar with on, on layer two, be it sort of the, um, the different stages of, you know, how kind of like decentralized uh, they are. And uh, it looks like, according to Layer 2B, um, Scroll's in review right now. Um, but like, yeah, so what is your plan to collect, you know, all of the stages, all of the Layer 2B badges and be, be kind of fully decentralized? What, what does that look like while we're here? All pieces of the pie from uh, Yeah. Yeah, right uh, now I think Arbitrum is maybe in the lead, at least according yeah, to Arbitrum, Layer 2B. Uh, yeah. If you ignore uh, D-Gate and... Um, and fuel v1 arbitrum is basically in the lead okay yeah so what's scrolls plan for this so uh, it's a multifaceted problem there are a few things that we need to work on so one we currently don't have forced transactions just because of the way the zk circuit is implemented but we're working on it or and we're going to introduce them relatively soon that will allow us to have censorship resistance that is guaranteed by ethereum Another thing that we're working on is a multi-prover and we've been actively working on it for almost a year at this point, which is also going to be introduced soon. And that will allow us to basically not rely on the security of our current proof system. So let's say if our current proof systems system fails for some reason, there's still another proof system that ensures that somebody cannot steal money if that ever happens for some reason. And then we're also working on decentralization. There's some research going on about sequencers and provers. There's also, I published an article a few months ago about multi-verifiers, which is more about securing the validating bridges because one of the main concerns for us, and I think for any rollup builder, is how to ensure that your smart contract doesn't have bugs. And that's a really big problem. We know how many DeFi apps have been hacked since 2020 and how many millions have been stolen. 
And so what multi-verifier allows us to do is to have two identical implementations of the bridge in two different languages, let's say in Solidity and Viper. And then the transaction or the batch is only accepted if both of them agree that the entry to the storage is the same, which means that even if one has a bug in it, the other will catch it and prevent it from allowing people to steal the money. And then with combining that and the multi-prover, we're essentially, we're limiting the attack surface to like a specification bug. So let's say if we define the protocol in a way that allows people to steal money, but that can be also minimized via formal verification. And that gets us to the point where we can essentially remove upgradability and be fairly sure that there's not going to be any urgent bug that we need to fix without having delayed upgradability that will allow users to exit if let's say there's a malicious upgrade initiated by us or by the security council or however we decide to for the upgradability to work this is a you know a side question torgel but uh you know I'm, I'm just curious like if we were to to zoom out here uh, I know from what Sandy was saying earlier, you, you kind of like took took the job a day later after your first conversation, which means you were making a bet not only on on your career and kind of this team, but on the the technical direction of a uh, scroll. And that was very much a, a an ethereum aligned modular type of uh, direction. And one thing I uh, appreciate about you, Torgel on on Twitter is, uh, you know, you're not af afraid to push back on uh, other people's, uh, you know, theses and, and opinions and that sort of thing. And I think right now, crypto is trying to figure out what the the next era really looks like. And there's kind of a, you know, a question of does the monolithic vision succeed, something like Solana? They're, they're pursuing a, a sp specific direction. I think they call it kind of integrated where we're not doing this layer two thing. We're just putting it all in, on Solana. We've got Cosmos down here with this kind of like uh, network of chains, independent side chain city states as they call it. And then we've got Ethereum over here, which is like this, this modular vision of the world where we're sectioning out, but we're like kind of uh, settling back on Ethereum. What do you think uh, those other two communities kind of get wrong? What do you disagree with them on uh, the most? And, uh, you know, why why have you decided to kind of invest your career and your time and your, your mental space and everything in the, in this specific direction? Uh, I, I actually don't think we disagree that much. I actually, I think Anatoly, we had a debate like almost a year ago at this point, uh, and he mentioned that we agree on most of the things. The only thing that we really disagree on are implementational details. And so I, I feel like we all all three communities agree that about the values of decentralization, censorship resistance, et cetera, et cetera. It's more about how you approach it. And I feel like I'm very much aligned with like the original vision of Ethereum or of having this big chain that can facilitate millions of transactions that can be verified on a Raspberry Pi, for example, or your laptop that doesn't need quite high-end hardware, if not a server, to be verified and run. And with L2s, that allows, that basically translates into reality, that allows us to translate into, into reality because we outsource the execution to L2s, they do all the execution, they publish the proofs on chain, and we can still verify all of those L2s 
via this small machine like a Raspberry Pi or let's say your lap old laptop at home or whatever. And so from that perspective, I'm very much, uh, I would say, aligned with the vision, with the original vision of Ethereum. But yeah, but there are certain things that I obviously disagree with, but then we all kind of have our personal opinions about certain implementational details here and there. Like what? Like what are the main implementation details that are different here? Uh, I, I feel like one of the things that I, I feel that a lot of people in the Ethereum community kind of underestimate the importance of, people talk a lot about it, but there's not a lot of work being done, estate growth. And realistically, that's the fundamental bottleneck of Ethereum. And it's going to be a fundamental bottleneck for all the ZK rollups as well. And rollups in general, not just ZK rollups. And so uh, I feel like, and myself included, we can put more effort into researching it and actually finding a solution. There, there has been some research done, but it's been sporadic and it hasn't been at the same level as let's say 4844 research on, or a lot of other subjects has uh, that have been quite, uh, quite deeply researched. Certainly a rabbit hole for uh, a future Bankless podcast episode for sure. Uh, state growth has been kind of this like looming gargantuan in the background ever since I've always gotten into Ethereum and uh, never really actually seemed to have gone head on. So I, I guess that's exactly what you were t articulating, Torgal. But uh, that's some like deep 120 IQ technical level stuff. I kind of want to zoom back out and ask the stupid question. Um, win token. <laughs> We we just launched the mainnet. I, 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 I was just talking to. Oh, this like a silence of like who's gonna jump first on this one. I, I was just talking to to like our DevRel team who travels to a lot of conferences, and I was like, finally, no more when mainnet questions. <laughs> oh no, there's always a when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have when token, and yeah, I don't know. I, I'll let Sandy answer. As Louis Guthman loves to say I can't answer for legal reasons <laughs> <laughs> quote Louis here as well <laughs> <laughs> let's just blame right. Louis for everything <laughs> well congratulations guys I mean that is always a, a huge day just not just for scroll not just for what you guys are building for but for ethereum as well um when something that is is the evm gets uh, extended byte uh, line item for line item, byte code for byte code. I don't even know if that's the right way to describe it, but it makes sense to me. Uh, into a layer two, uh, that makes me pretty pretty excited, because uh, this is about scaling trust, right? Scaling cryptography, uh, and this is really why we're all here. Uh, and so this is a big day for all of us at, at Ethereum, I'd say. Yeah, I would implore every all the bankless listeners to check out our mainnet, check out our developer docs, and deploy something fun. You know, I think um, my mom's going to deploy a contract that says if I lose every pound I lose, she's going to give me a bit more pocket money. <laughs> wow. wow. Thanks, mom. Write a contract that the tugs pay from Toggle's check every month, every time she declares. Which, and... which, which is going to leave me with no money forever, basically. <laughs> uh, so for everyone to experiment and build lots of fun things. Well, the, the, the mom-driven smart contract market is probably an untapped niche for, for crypto. So I'm, I'm telling my mom scroll. about this one. Yeah. <laughs> so about new, new builders <laughs> and new well, use cases. <laughs> okay, so where do people go if they want to check scroll out? Where's the, the place for them to go as we uh, end this podcast? Is there a website? 
So the place to go is our website, scroll.io. That's S-C-R-O-L-L dot I-O. There we go. Into the Frontier, a new layer two. This one, a ZK EVM that is equivalent to the EVM on mainnet. It's an absolutely massive Super milestone. aligned. The most aligned ZK roll-up <laughs> that we've gotten for all the aligners out there. Yeah, very very aligned. That's been a theme this <laughs> week uh, for sure. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for, for joining Bankless and telling us all about it. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much thank for, having, for having, us. having us. Bankless Nation, you guys have your to-dos. Go check out Scroll. Uh, you heard the website. Uh, go explore the frontier as we are every single day of the week at Bankless. Risks and disclaimers, of course. Gotta let you know, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in. That includes layer twos. There are hidden risks there. We are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot. <laughs>